0: of heights to the depths of the
1: sea but if your sons verse six back in our text he says but if your sons at all turn from following me and do not keep my commandments and my statutes which i have set before them but go and they serve other gods and worship them then i will cut off israel from the land which i have given them and this house which i have consecrated for my name i will cast out of my sight every
0: creature's uniqueness Glaming, indescribable, uncontainable. You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing, God. All powerful, untamable. struck with fall to our knees as we humbly proclaim. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible-teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg.
1: Who is told every bolt where it should
0: go? The positive promise of God given to Solomon was followed by a negative promise. If Solomon or his descendants were to turn from following the Lord, God promised to correct a disobedient Israel. God answered Solomon's prayer, but it was not an unqualified promise to bless the temple in any circumstance. God blessed the temple and filled it with the glory of his presence, but he could cast it out of his sight if the kings of Israel forsook the Lord. Now let's join Pastor Rob's teaching, Already in Progress
1: to us great wealth of knowledge. But we obviously we can't just let it be knowledge in our head. It has to get into our heart. It has to change us. And the funny thing about life and about our own selves is that we have the tendency, we can, if we so choose, to let it all be up here and not so much in here. And that's a dangerous place when we are you know, allowing it to be up here. And we know we can spout all the scriptures, but we haven't let it really affect our hearts. And so we are accountable to God for the great wealth that He has given to us. And I say that to just to encourage you and just to remind you as well, because we have been given a great deal. Now, notice in verse 3 there, it says. God says that you've built this house and you, to put my name there forever. Now God did put his uh, name there forever and he even shaped the topography of the temple mount, the very land that the temple is on, according to his name. <laughs> according to his name. In the Hebrew alphabet, there is a letter, it looks like a W, and it's called a shin. And the shin is... Uh, the Hebrew letter Shin stands for Shaddai, which means God. So the letter, looks like a W, is the letter Shin, and it literally, in the Hebrew, it it stands for Shaddai, which is another name for God. And the reason why that's such a big deal, there's the, the, the letter you can see. But then if you look at the topography of Israel, it's quite amazing because you've got on the... Eastern side, on the right side, you've got the, the Kidron Valley, and then you've got the Temple Mount uh, right to the west of that. And then to the west of that, you've got the Tyropian Valley, which is uh, uh, to the east of that, or west of that, excuse me. And then further west, you've got the Hinnom Valley that circles all the way down Mount, underneath Mount Zion. And so this, this Hebrew letter that stands for Shaddai, or God, the very topography of the land, He's got his name emblazoned on Jerusalem. And you'll see in many places where he says, A place where I choose to place my name there. And this could be what he meant. I don't know. But it's pretty interesting, I think, to consider that Shaddai is the exact letter of the Hebrew alphabet that's, that, that forms the, um, the topography around Jerusalem. Pretty interesting. Now, notice in verse 3 So the Lord said to him, I have heard your prayer, Solomon, and your supplication that you have made before me, and I have consecrated this house which you have built to put my name there forever. And my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. Now, one of the things, again, you might want to write in your Bible is the parallel passage for this chapter in chapter 9. Uh, and those parallel passages are Second Chronicles chapter seven, verses twelve through twenty-two. Second Chronicles chapter seven, twelve through twenty-two, and then all of chapter eight of second chronicles. That is going to be the parallel passages to what we 're going to read now, and you can read i 'll highlight a few differences as we go along. but one thing that's interesting here, if you compare Second Chronicles chapter 7, 12 through twenty two the parallel passage uh, um, the Lord begins with what we see here in verse three, and then he adds this very important conditional promise, one that we have known, one that we know and we 've heard a lot it's, it's this one. Second Chronicles 7.14, it's one that we've been talking a lot about, we've been quoting it. You won't find it here in chapter 9 of First Kings, but it was meant to be there because it was the same time frame. For whatever reason, the, the chronicler decided not to include this here, but that's what happened right after this. It says, if my people who are called by my name, God says, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Again, another conditional promise. If they do this, then I will do this. And again, you know this because I like to bring this out because there are some promises that are unconditional that God makes. When he says, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you might also be, that's an unconditional promise. There's nothing we have to do to make that happen. It's going to happen. God made a bunch of those unconditional promises, but there are some things where he says, now you've got a responsibility. You're accountable to what I've shown you. Now what are you going to do about it? So if you do this, then I will do this. And while this promise was given to Israel initially, The principle, I believe, also applies to us in the church as well. And I say that because the Lord calls us to humble ourselves, doesn't he? In James 4, verse 10, it says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. And he also Uh, As Gentiles, as the church, we need to pray and seek his face. That's true as well for us as well. When Jesus in Matthew 6 says, When you pray, you should not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners that everybody can see them. And in verse 6 he says, But when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. In other words, seek his face. Aren't we to do that? Aren't we to humble ourselves and seek his face? And then turn from your wicked ways. What is that other than repentance? Are we, called to be, are we called to repentance? Of course we are. Jesus said so in Mark chapter 1. After John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. repent and believe in the gospel. So that, this applies to us as well. The principle applies to us. And then if, if we do those things, and we can't do them of our own flesh, we have to do this, you know, the Spirit of God works in you. Thank God for the Holy Spirit, because in and of myself, I have no desire, and neither do you, by the way, to do these things that, God, that would please God. The Bible says there's none that pleases God. There's none that even care about God. The mystery is that he comes down and takes up residence in our heart, and all of a sudden he changes our life. But prior to his spirit indwelling in me, I was a scoundrel. I didn't care about God. I could care less. I was happy to do every desire of my own flesh. But that's the truth, isn't it? And notice, then God will do these things. He will hear from heaven when we pray. He's certainly listening, otherwise we're praying in vain, right? So he he will definitely hear from heaven, and he he will forgive their sin. He will forgive our sin. Isn't that true of 1 John 1, verse 9? He'll forgive us if we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then to heal their land. If our land needs to be healed and we say, God... Help us, Lord, help us to humble ourselves, to pray and seek your face, to turn from our wicked ways. God is going to hear from heaven and he's going to forgive our sin and he's going to heal our land. I believe that it's not too late, although we're getting very close. It is not too late, but notice. Lord says, I've heard your prayer, still in verse 3 here. And I've consecrated this house. The idea is I've set it apart. I've sanctified it. I've set it apart. I've hallowed it. And, um, and, and, you know, when you think about this, to being being set apart, you know, you and I need to be set apart too. We looked at this a couple weeks ago. Paul says, do you not know that you're the temple and the spirit of God, uh, the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? If this is the case, then that we also need to be consecrated, right? We need to be set apart just as the temple was set apart. It was consecrated. You and I, now the temple of the Holy Spirit, we ought to consecrate and set ourselves apart from the world, from the world and unto Jesus. That's always the way it is. He doesn't just tell us to come away from it and then you're just kind of in this void at vacuum. No, we 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 set ourselves apart from those things and then we go to him. We go to him. Notice verse 4, for if you walk, and underline that word if, if you walk before me as your father David walked in integrity of heart and uprightness to do according to all that I command you, and, underline this, if you keep my commandments and my judgments. But let me ask you a question. Uh, Look at that phrase, as your father David walked. Was David a sterling example of obedience? No, he wasn't. Although David was at least guilty of adultery and murder, he confessed, didn't he? He repented of his sin. He never went back on that. Do you notice that? He never did that. And David, although forgiven, was a different man afterwards and had no confidence in himself. He also continued to suffer the consequences of his actions, even though God had forgiven him. Consequences that he and his family had suffered. And David sinned, and he made some pretty bad choices. But one thing that he wasn't guilty of was spiritual adultery or idolatry. But one thing David didn't do is worship false gods. He sinned. He made uh, some errors. He made some pretty big ones. But he confessed them. God forgave him. David's in heaven, and God's going to resurrect him and bring him back in the Millennial Kingdom to rule and reign over Jerusalem. As a co-regent, evidently, with Christ. He did. He made some really bad mistakes. But spiritual adultery was not one of them. But you'll notice that after David, beginning with Solomon, and we're going to see this theme in Solomon's life begin to ramp up now as we get further into up until chapter 12, because that's when his son, when, when Solomon passes from the scene. But Solomon started off well, but he didn't finish well. But he's still in glory because he learned a major lesson. He learned a major lesson. But from, from Solomon to Rehoboam and all the way down through the Judean kings, nearly all of them, except for maybe four of them, four or five kings, actually he, a very slim number, and we'll look at that in a minute, didn't do the same thing. They, they were good kings, but... The rest of the Judean kings were all idolatrous. All of the northern ten tribes, all of the kings in the north, every single one of them was an idolater, and it all started with Jeroboam. But David didn't have a problem with spiritual adultery And if you walk before me as your father David walked, and if you keep my statutes and my judgments, then verse five, notice, then I will establish the throne of your kingdom over Israel forever, as I promised your father David, saying, you shall not fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. And we have looked at this verse a lot, this, this uh, passage, and we won't go over it again tonight but i will have you write it down somewhere and by the time we're done with kings you're probably going to have this verse memorized second samuel chapter 7 12 through 16 because that's the davidic covenant and uh we've talked a lot about it because there's a lot there but um but in in first kings chapter 2 david instructed solomon again and he says David says to Solomon, I go the way of all the earth. Be strong, therefore, and prove yourself a man and keep the charge of the Lord your God to walk in his ways. Notice, to keep his statutes, his commandments. Here's the accountability all over again. His His judgments, his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn. Notice, and that the Lord may fulfill his word, which he spoke concerning me, saying, if your son... If your sons take heed to their way to walk before me in truth with all their heart, with all their soul, he said, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. And so it's just further, further accountability. Solomon, my son, make sure you follow the Lord. I don't know of anybody in the scripture who has had this many reminders I'm sure there are other, There's, there's definitely others, but when I think of what Solomon, the, the many opportunities, and see, God doesn't waste words. When he told him and had him remember these things four or five, six times, there's a reason for that. God's trying to say, Solomon, you don't even understand yet, but you're going down this road, and I'm telling you, don't do it. Don't do it. Stay away from those things. But if your sons, verse 6, back in our text, he says, But if your sons at all turn from following me and do not keep my commandments and my statutes, which I have set before them, but go and they serve other gods and worship them, then I will cut off Israel from the land which I have given them and this house which I have consecrated for my name I will cast out of my sight. And Israel will be a proverb and a byword. And in verse 8, As for this house which is exalted, everyone who passes by will be astonished and hiss at it. And then finally in verse 9, Then they will answer because they forsook the Lord God. This is why these things are going to happen. Because Israel had forsook Jehovah who brought their fathers out of the land of Egypt and they embraced other gods and worshipped them and served them. Therefore the Lord has brought all this calamity upon them. And Solomon and most of the kings of Judah, like I said, and all of the kings of Israel, they would all fall into idolatry except for a handful. And in fact, uh, just only uh, the ones that are starred here were, were good kings after David. You know, There was Asa, and there was Jehoshaphat, and Jotham, and certainly Josiah. These were the exemplary kings, and Josiah probably stands ahead of them all. But every one of the kings of of Israel would fall into idolatry. And see, God would fulfill that warning and that prophecy that he gave to him. In verses 4 through 8 that we just read, because we know that he's going to take the northern kings into into captivity by the Assyrians. And then 116 years later, in 586, he's going to burn down the temple, the Babylonians. And they're going to be taken captive to Babylon, Verse 10, now it happened at the end of 20 years, when Solomon had built the two houses, the house of the Lord and the king's house, that Hiram, the king of Tyre, had supplied Solomon with cedar and cypress and gold as much as he desired. And King Solomon then gave Hiram 20 cities in the land of Galilee. And then Hiram went from Tyre to see the cities which Solomon had given him, but they did not please him. Now remember, Hiram was a really good confidant and a friend of his father David. Okay, so now David passes from the scene. Hiram is still alive. Now Solomon has this wonderful friendship. He, he remembers certainly his dad talking to Hiram. They probably had lunch together. And Solomon as a young boy was probably at the table and listening to these men, now Solomon is a man, now he's having these same interactions with this man, and for whatever reason, these, this land up in the Galilee region, which is very close to Tyre and Sidon, Tyre and Sidon would still be even north and west of the Galilee area, but Solomon gave him these things, but notice what it says. So uh, Hiram says, "'What kind of cities are these which you gave me, my brother?' <laughs> and he called them the land of Kabul or Kabul, as they are this day, and it literally means good for nothing thinks but no thanks, right so then Hiram sent the king one hundred and twenty talents of gold, evidently as payment for this 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 land, even though it wasn 't really anything that great and we 'll find out that in second chronicles chapter eight, verse two that Hiram ultimately gives those back to Solomon and says, You know what, I really don't need them. You can take them. And then Solomon builds them up and ha- inhabits them with the people of, of Israel. But notice in verse 15, so and this is the reason the, for the labor force which King Solomon raised to build the house of the Lord. We looked at that a couple of chapters ago. In order to build the temple and all of those other buildings, it required a massive workforce. And so Solomon would put the the peoples that were still in the land that the children of Israel didn't completely drive out. The Canaanites that were still in the land, he put them into uh, like a slave labor is really what it was. And so notice, and, and this is the reason for the labor force which King Solomon raised, to build the house of the Lord and his own house, the Milo, the wall of Jerusalem, Hazor, Megiddo, and Gezer. And Pharaoh, king of Egypt, had gone up and taken Gezer and burned it with fire, had killed the Canaanites who dwelt in the city, and had given it as a dowry or as a gift to his daughter, Solomon's wife. Because remember, Solomon had married the king of Egypt, Pharaoh's daughter. And kings would often do this to build alliances and assurances with each other, because uh, the king of Egypt is not going to come against Jerusalem knowing that his wife and, their, and her, his grandkids are there. So it kind of creates this kind of insurance, if you will, between nations and kings. And so Solomon was really big into that, and we're going to see it's going to get him into a lot of trouble. Uh, so Solomon built Gezer, a lower Beth horan Baalath, and Tadmor in the wilderness and in the land of Judah. And all the storage cities that Solomon had, cities for his chariots and cities for his cavalry. You might want to underline that. (laughs) Cities for his chariots and cities for his cavalry. And whatever Solomon desired to build in Jerusalem and Lebanon and in all the land of his dominion. And here again is a harbinger. That's why I wanted you to underline it. The cities for his chariots and cavalry. This is one of the things that Solomon ought not to have done. He was not to have build to have built a cavalry, nor multiply wives. And we'll certainly get to that later. But Solomon was the first king in Israel to employ horses and chariots in fighting in battle. He was the first one. In fact, God had told him, and I'll just read this. Um, In Deuteronomy chapter 17... Back in the law before the Israelites even crossed over into the promised land. What did God tell the Jews before they went over? He says, When you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you and possess it to dwell in and say, I will set a king over me like all the nations around me, you shall surely set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses, one from among your brethren, you shall set as king over you. You may not set a foreigner over you, notice, who is not your brother, but here it is. But he shall not multiply horses for himself. There's God's direct revelation of what they should and should not do. But he shall not multiply horses for himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt to multiply horses, which is exactly what Solomon did. For the Lord has said to you, uh, you shall not return that way again, neither shall he multiply wives for himself. And how many did Solomon have? A thousand. We're going to see that coming shortly too lest his heart turn away nor shall he greatly multiply silver and gold for himself now god had given solomon great wealth but it wasn't to be his motivation it wasn't to be the thing that he would greed over right and then a few hundred years later samuel remember that day that they had taken samuel or not samuel but saul and they were about ready to coronate him and Samuel was really bringing the children of Israel to task because they wanted a king like all the other nations around them. And Samuel upbraided them, remember. Excuse me, in Samuel first uh, Samuel chapter 8, beginning in verse 10, and he said this. So Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who asked him for a king, and he said, this will be the behavior of the king who will reign over you. I'm
0: sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of First Kings. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as our location, service times, information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, and information regarding Bread of Life Academy, our new school opening in the fall of 2023 just click the school link at the top of the page for more information additionally you may also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play Podcast or Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link.